the CBD area is very quiet. Um, it used to be one of our most successful uh, shops, but uh, right now it's uh, probably down 50, down 40 to 50 percent in sales. Um, just yeah, just reflective of the fact that um, lots of corporates are uh, deciding to. Uh, keep their offices shut or working remotely. This week on Dirty Linen, we are zipping around the country, speaking to people in different cities. And today I am really excited to be heading to Brisbane, which is one of my favorite places to visit. I love eating my way around Brisbane. Today, we are chatting to Taro Akimoto from uh, Taro's Ramen. Uh, his mission, it's a big one, it's to provide Australia's best ramen. Taro, welcome to Dirty Linen. Thank you so much for having a chat. Oh, thank you, Danny. Yeah, pleasure. Taro, for people who don't know your ramen uh, business, can you tell us a little bit about it? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, yeah, we serve ramen. Um, it's become uh, yeah, a little bit popular these days. So um, it, yeah, basically it's soup and noodles. Um, it's originated in China, but um, perfected in Japan. Um, it's like a, a bone broth, usually, uh, served with noodles and a few toppings. And it's sort of got a cult status in the, um, I don't know, B-grade gourmet, the junk food slash uh, B-grade gourmet um, category in Japan. And um, yeah, I've for one, I'm a big, big, big uh, fan of ramen, so um, decided to start it uh, on my own 10 years ago in Brisbane. So, and what's the ramen scene like in Brisbane? Are you a bit of a, an originator as far as, as ramen shops go in, mm -hmm. in Queensland? Yeah, definitely. 10 years ago, it was just uh, basically myself and maybe one more shop. Um, and I think I like to say that I created the category of boutique or artisan ramen here in Brisbane. And uh, the other shop was more uh, down the lines of fast food. Um, and uh, yeah, we both did our thing and uh, we're still doing both uh, pretty well um, these days. But um, yeah, I think I'd like to say that I'm an originator of um, the passionate uh, ramen in Brisbane. Okay. Mm -hmm. I guess ramen is one of those, it's it's a whole culture. There are so many different strands to it and there's so many, you know, it's a, it's the kind of dish that um, people get very opinionated about and they get very opinionated about, you know, where can you get the best ramen. But what I love about yours is, you know, you're so focused on the ingredients. So it's all, um, you know, beautiful free-range eggs, um wheat farmed by you know family farmers it's you do everything from scratch is that why is that is why did you sort of come to this this style of um of sourcing your ingredients and, and creating mm. your ramen yeah good question well i like i was chatting to you before um i originally am not a chef or a uh, hospitality business person i am from a uh, business background um and um I don't know. The ramen to me was not a business, but it was a hobby initially. And um, it was just uh, something that I was really passionate about. And if I wanted to start that up as a business, and as if I wanted to use that as a means to express myself, I wanted to go to the extreme and, you know, uh, call it the Australia's best ramen. And uh, yeah, when we are striving, striving to be the best, I think 
we have to choose the best ingredients and naturally uh, I started choosing for the you know, the best wheat or the best eggs or the best pork and um, yeah I ended up meeting um, people who are doing wonderful things in their farms and um, yeah they were perfect match for my ramen so yeah it just all ended up uh, in place I think. Mm. And um, something else that I think you do like I guess if you're in Tokyo or you know other cities in Japan the ramen shops are often like being there is a whole part of the experience they're, they're very crowded maybe you take a ticket you know lining up is, is sort of a part of the experience you might be well I'm not sure at the moment but in normal times you really elbow to elbow with people have talk can you talk about how you've sort of differentiated um your shops from that from that style of ramen of ramen mm-hmm. store yeah yeah uh, good question yeah um to me yes um like you say, um, having being in a squished space, elbow to elbow, um, sometimes having the owner stare in your face and um, <laughs> get mad if your phone rings or if your cologne is too strong, he might tell you to uh, just leave the shop. <laughs> being that kind of, um, <laughs> I don't know, uh, like a, a cold, really totalitarian dictatorship <laughs> um, environment is kind of, you know, part of the fun for me. Uh, who's a hardcore ramen uh, freak, but I think for the general public, um, meals taste much better when it's, you're comfortable and when you're you're having a good conversation with family or friends. And um, I th- think that's part of the lifestyle or the the part um, part of I guess Brisbane culture or laid back Queensland culture that I really started to love since moving to Brisbane. And yeah, I just wanted to incorporate that in my business as well. So yeah, we um, try to space out the tables. Uh, we have some booth seating, which uh, creates a nice cozy um, atmosphere for the um, group. And uh, that to me is part of, um, I guess, c- creating a really good memory surrounding our beautiful ramen. So yeah. And are you not taken to giving death stares to your customers if they like put <laughs> put the wrong sauce in the wrong bowl of soup? Um, yeah, inside I sometimes do. <laughs> if uh, yeah, customers want to add like you know a copious amount of chili to my uh, shio ramen, which is a really fragrant, delicate dish, I always smile and say here you go but deep inside I'm yeah doing giving them a death stare <laughs> uh, <laughs> yep, yep. it's funny what are some of the other mm-hmm. like how can I come and eat ramen with you but you will not be death staring mm-hmm. me on the inside even <laughs> what what are the, what are the other no-nos uh well you know if if as long as somebody has um like an interest or respect to ramen then you know I'll treat them seriously um, but you know it th- doesn't have to be a serious uh, ordeal you know it, it can just be a, a fun uh, meal and uh, in that kind of sense uh, yeah I'm just joking about the death stare inside you know <laughs> if, they're, if they're having a fun time uh, with the ramen that we're providing and you know if they want to customize it a certain way and if that's the way they like it then no it's it's okay you know it's it's just uh, not the way that I would eat it but um, if they're enjoying it no it's all good so yeah if as long as they have you know respect or you know having a good time yeah it's all good 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 uh, fine by me yeah Mm -hmm. uh something else i think is so interesting about your business Mm -hmm. is your four win policy can you talk about that Mm -hmm. what's your what's your four win policy yes um i guess uh you 
it started to uh, yeah, I started calling it my four-win policy, I don't know, maybe seven or eight years back. Um, in the first year, I was really desperate, and um, I uh, was just trying to make ends meet, and I didn't have any um, luxury to think about anybody other than myself. But um, as I went on about my business, I started to, I don't know, feel appreciative of all the support that I'm getting and um, I just uh, felt really embraced and um, that uh, I guess really happy that my my ramen is creating uh, happiness to people in Brisbane so I came to the realization that um, we are uh, a part of something bigger and um, ideally uh, I like to use my business to create value for all the stakeholders surrounding our business and that's i guess roughly the customers the staff the farmers and myself so yeah i think there's four stakeholders and uh, we want to make a uh, a win for all parties involved so i call it my four win policy so yeah so when you're i guess innovating in your business or you know you come upon something where you need to make a change i mean Maybe it's a pandemic. Uh, do you, I guess, refer back to this four-win policy and and work out if you know the the particular um, change or adjustment ticks ticks all those boxes? Yes, definitely. You know, um, if the environment, uh, you know, when, when the pandemic uh, initially hit, we were all scared. Uh, staff uh, didn't uh, want to work in an unsafe environment. Um, and uh, yeah, I respect that and I wouldn't push through to uh, just have the business survive and uh, make force our staff to do something that they're not comfortable with. So yeah, it definitely uh, those are the factors that I uh, think about when I try to take course in my business. And I guess, yeah, to give you an example, uh, the thing that made us survive the pandemic was the DIY home packs. Um, we cooked the ramen, uh, we packed it in vacuum packs, froze it, and then uh, we delivered it uh, non-contact. So um, I think it was a win for all those involved. The customers were still craving ramen. They didn't want to come out to an unsafe environment. Same with the staff. And uh, yeah, we tried to work around it. And that's how this uh, DIY pack came about. So yeah, that, that's a good example, I think. Wow. That's so interesting. You know, as we're talking, I realize that I haven't had ramen for so long and I really am desperate to have one now. And I'm just, you know, what I'm thinking of is that feeling you get with ramen where you've got this massive bowl that's as big as your face and you just sort of put your face over it and you inhale and it's just all these different fragrances. But it's more than a fragrance. It's like you're inside an atmosphere. And, I mean, it's such an enveloping dish, isn't it? Um, uh, so yeah, you've really got my cravings going. (laughs) (laughs) You're Uh, a poet. You use your words really well. (laughs) (laughs) Um, not when I've got a mouthful of noodles, which I hope I get to have (laughs) sooner rather than later. Um, so what was it like for you to, to change your business like that? I mean, of course, you know, everybody was doing things on the fly when, um, things first hit. Was it, um... Yeah, like how did how did what was that thought process like for you, and how were you feeling through it all? Um, yeah, it was 
I, I, we didn't have time for emotions, I guess. You know, it was uh, regulations came on overnight, and uh, we had to reduce seats to half overnight or um, stop uh, normal self-service uh buffet-style condiments area, you know, reading all those regulations and applying it to the actual um, restaurant was a uh, feat uh, in itself. It was a lot of uh, effort and time um, and exhausting process, and I didn't really have time to um, <laughs> uh, put some emotions to it. But, yeah, we just uh, had to do what we do to make sure that the business uh, sustains itself and also make sure that the staff have uh, a workplace. So, um, yeah, I think it's the same with all many uh, em employers, uh, business owners. Yeah, we just um, had to do what we had to do. Yeah, I think. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you've got You've got shops in different parts mm -hmm. of Brisbane. Is it? Have you got four shops? Is that right? That's correct. Yes. Okay. So, um, as you reopened, and as you know, Queensland's way ahead of Victoria, where I am in terms of recovery. But did you notice different um, impacts in your different stores, depending on you know what sort of neighbourhood they were in? Yes. Yes. Um, it's still continuing, but uh, the CBD area is very quiet. Um, it used to be one of our most successful uh, shops, but uh, right now it's uh, probably down 50, down 40 to 50 percent in sales. Um, mm. Just, yeah, just reflective of the fact that um, lots of corporates are um, deciding to uh, keep their offices shut or working remotely or uh, maybe, maybe, you know, even without the fear of the pandemic, uh, most, not most, but many uh, companies and indiv individuals have come to the realization that, uh, yeah, work, working remotely might be a better way to do it. And um, it might be something that's going to continue. And uh, we are seeing, yeah, as, as the CBD shop uh, decreases in revenue, we are seeing that the uh, suburban uh, shops are increased, not increasing compared to previous years, but uh, yeah, relatively speaking, within the four, um, the most of the customers are going to the uh, suburban shops. Yeah. Mm. And what do you think is going to happen? You know, as the months roll on, and and you know, through into twenty twenty one, like, do you anticipate that the city will pick up, or do you feel like it's sort of this is a new normal? Mm, I think this is a new normal, and uh, I. Um, I'm probably going to have to think of ways to revamp um, the business in the city. So I don't know whether be it it be a, a change in the menu or um, do special events. Or we we were we are already taking action. We're doing a special um, sukiyaki uh, event at um, the Queen Street um, because we've got a lot of capacities um, in the. For example, the cold room, uh, we are using that as a dry aging um, stock uh, and dry aging our own beef and um, doing some sukiyaki with the uh, really matured, um, delicious beef. So, um, yeah, I think mm. we have to think innovatively and try to do what we can to 
um, adapt to the new norm. I think, yeah, because uh, unfortunately, I we do have a lot of loyal regulars uh, who uh, come in and you know give us our support and um, their commendations about us maintaining the standards and the quality during this uh, hard hard times, but. Um, uh, generally, the uh, the numbers themselves are not um, enough to keep us uh, um, fully um, uh, going in the city. So uh, yeah. yeah, we have yeah. to think of something to supplement it. Yep. Interesting. And the people that are coming, whether it's in the city or the suburban stores, are they are they after something different? Like, are they? do they tend to be ordering differently to how they did before, whether they're ordering different things or is it more or is it less? Like, what? Are, what how are their habits changed? Uh, I don't see a change in habit. Uh, no, I think they're all ordering their usuals. And, well, the, the aside from the temperature, the temperature is really, you know, um, scorching hot now. So... Uh, we have a few uh, cold ramens on the menu, and uh, they're trying that. Uh, some of them are really liking it, so they're shifting their usual. They're swapping their usual hot bowls for their cold bowls, and that might be a more of a yeah temp- the climate thing rather than the pandemic or a an economic downturn or anything like that. So yeah, the regular customers. Um, I don't see a, a particular change um, due to the pandemic, but um, yeah, I, um, uh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Are you still doing the DIY kits? Yes, we are. Yes, um, it's definitely much much uh, smaller volumes than we were um, at the peak of the pandemic. But uh, there's people who have found that that's a convenient way to get a. a a ramen meal at their the comfort of their house and it's a little bit cheaper because they do the cooking themselves and uh, yeah we got mm. i think regular customers who are taking advantage of that as well yeah yeah one of the things that i really appreciate about ramen is the the incredible detail that goes into all the different elements can you talk about some of the things that you know, we might not realize just from eating uh, from your menu. Can you talk about some of the, you know, the behind the scenes things that you do that, that make the ramen what it is? Um, it's going to be a long one. <laughs> I don't know how, how long. Uh, to, <laughs> we got to, time. How much detail that I should go into. But yeah, it, you know, basic uh, starting off with the soup and the noodles. Um, yeah, the soup uh, is a, used to be for us a two day process. So uh, we would c- cook um, copious amounts of pork bones with uh, in a big cauldron um, for a day and then uh, strain that. And then on the next day, put in another load of bones and then uh, so uh, for a full day and then strain that. So it was it's like uh, not just um, a normal stock take stock uh, pot burning, but it's uh, a double process um, and right now we're doing it with the uh, pressure cooker uh, but it's it's still a double process where we um, yeah add bones and then um, yeah it's it's not just simply um, a big pot plus water plus bones it's um, calculating how yeah, many there's dimensions to it yeah yeah and also in the soup um, we usually 
uh, don't flavor it until the end. We keep the stock without salt uh, and then we have a separate um, uh, seasoning source which we measure to the uh, we have a dedicated 18 um, milliliter uh, spoon and plus a 300 uh, cc ladle so that always the salt content of the soup is to exactly what, how we want it. And we also add another layer of an aromatic oil usually, uh, which we also measure to 20 uh, milliliters exactly so it's all calculated and um, it's multi-layered uh, in terms of the soup and um, yeah we also hand make our noodles so for the tonkotsu noodles we use a thin uh, square cut uh, straight edge noodles with a water content of 28 percent but for our different um, chicken broth, we would use a uh, square cut, medium, thin, curly noodles with a higher egg content and a higher moisture content at around 36%. And for the shoyu ramen or the miso ramen, we would uh, go for a thick, curly noodle, uh, which the moisture content is about 40%. With the moisture content, it creates a, a different texture in the noodles, and I like to have the, the tonkotsu soup is the most thickest or the uh, most uh, richest broth. So we want a, a texture that is very, how do I say, um, like a abruptly cutting um, texture as compared to the higher moisture ones, uh, they go with a lighter soup, so they're a little bit more plumper and a um, little bit more, I don't know, less chewy. So they are both chewy, but in a different context. The Japanese have these different uh, uh, words to explain it, but it's I've, I still haven't found a word in English. Um, but yeah, it's... Oh, really? There's words for different mm -hmm. different chewiness? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, there oh, we have different I words <laughs> to so describe different chewiness. <laughs> that's that's how much uh, uh, yeah, ramen loving culture Japan is. Well, it's not just about ramen, but yeah, food uh, culture in Japan is probably you know ancient uh, years old, and they've got different words to describe uh, lots of different things. So that's interesting. Yeah, that's right. mm -hmm. so amazing. I mean, as you're talking, I'm like so you don't you don't understand how desperate I am now for ramen but apart from that mm -hmm. I just it just makes me fall in love with restaurants and eating out all over again because I mean as much as we can all make nice things at home we are, we are not going to be, go to the level of absolute noodle geekery as you um, I just appreciate it so much it's just it's so great I'm so grateful for people like you who are going to obsessing over things so much yeah. you're a very good interviewer if i can add a little bit to uh what i was about this uh, was that what i was saying yes um the the point about ramen is the recipe and uh, lots of uh because it's a simple dish you know it's soup and noodles and some toppings um like you say it's all refined and it's all really really meticulously calculated and um, there's uh, like many, many hours involved to making the broth and many 
hours making to uh, making the noodles and it's not doable um at home um it's yeah it's probably the most undoable dish to make at home <laughs> and um unless you're really crazy to <laughs> the only way that we can do it because you know we are serving lots and lots of you know, hundreds of uh servings a day that's why we make uh we spend uh, days and preparing for these uh, volumes and that's the only way that we can uh, go down to that meticulous detail um but uh yeah it's so um as compared to like uh, uh cooking a steak or cooking a fine italian pasta dish you can do it if you have the 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 techniques but for ramen you you really need the volumes um to go through the effort so yeah it's yeah, uh, yeah. difficult dish to reproduce yes mm. Yeah, that's so interesting. It really is a dish that's designed for for restaurants, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And mm, I think so. So many, mm. so many dishes. Yeah, you could get them in a restaurant, or you could make them at home. You could do it better, or you could do it worse. But there really are some dishes that you need to batch up, and ramen is is certainly one of those. That's so interesting. So, um, Taro, why do you do it? Like, tell me the satisfaction that you get from doing what you do. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, to me, it's it's uh, it's easy. It's like uh, asking a kid, why do you play video game all day long? You know, it's um, something that I love and uh, <laughs> I naturally find myself doing. Um, you know, I'm thinking about ramen every day. Um, and um, even if I'm not at work, uh, I... Yeah, I really honestly end up thinking about oh, if what if I do this to ramen? So um, it's part of my life, and um, <laughs> you know, if if it's if I'm always naturally like that, why not do it as a business? That's how it came about, and I'm still uh, like that ten years down the track. So um, yeah, I think I'm pretty, <laughs> I'm natural ramen person. Yeah. <laughs> do you reckon if you stayed in Japan that you'd be doing mm-hmm. ramen? Uh no, I don't think so because uh in Japan um there's so many people who are as crazy as me and um <laughs> I in terms of uh, creating a life living um there are much more efficient ways to make money than ramen um if I was in Japan um because Japan, yeah, there, it's the level is so high, and I, I wouldn't even think of doing it myself because I'm so happy eating the different varieties that's off that's on offer. And um, I think it's more yeah, being in Brisbane, the city that I love, uh, but this city not having the uh, ramen that I love. So I wanted to combine those two, and I thought that that was my job to be the bridge uh, to bring the two loves together. I guess. Mm. Wow, I love it. It's so good. The only sad thing about this story is that um, you, it's like your ramen is about 2,000 kilometres from me. But, <laughs> yeah. but oh well. Um, so, Taro, are you looking forward to the summer? Are you looking forward to next year? What's your level of optimism like? Yeah, um, well, traditionally, summer is not the best uh, season for ramen. Like you say, you know, um, ramen is about, you know, sticking your face in front of the bowl, having the steam come up and, uh, you know, the heat uh, encompassing you. And so in that sense, winter is the natural season for ramen. And summertime, it's more about... uh, 
it, the, the, I think the craving doesn't come every day as it does <laughs> during winter. And uh, it's more like a, you know, once a week or twice a week thing for my customers and me as well. So yeah, summertime is about, I don't know, just um, uh, trying to hone our craft and uh, just uh, not lose money and staying in business. So yeah, we'll, we just uh, like to um, stay quiet during summer and then prepare for a big winter. But uh, um, I, one thing that I am considering right now is uh, there are people who have moved to Bris from Brisbane to Sydney or Melbourne, and uh, they sometimes contact me saying, hey, is there any ramen places that I can recommend in Sydney or Melbourne? And um, unfortunately, I haven't traveled much, but... Um, this DIY home pack might be something that we can ship to interstate. So I haven't done a lot of investigating yet um, because I think uh, doing that kind of thing might require different licenses and stuff. But I am investigating whether or not I can uh, find a distribution network or um, some sort of uh, temperature controlled way of delivering the uh, our taste to Sydney or Melbourne people. So. Ooh. Well, you know, if you need anybody to just check if it ships all right um, <laughs> in Melbourne, yeah. then, uh, yeah, you, we can be in touch. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, okay. This could work out very well. Um, <laughs> yep. Taro, it's such a pleasure to speak to you. Um, I've learned a lot. You've made me very hungry. And, uh, yeah, it's a real privilege to get behind the scenes with your your ramen shop and learn a little bit more about how you do things in Brisbane. Thank you so much for coming along to have a chat with me today. Oh, no, thank you for having me. It was a fun time for me as well. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about. We spend a week thrashing around each issue, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This is...